Grace and peace to you on this October Sunday. While Copley Square is overwhelmed by the bustle of marathon preparation, we at Trinity have been worshiping remotely again today. And in the spirit of a decentralized Sabbath, we invite you to be with us for a short while, perhaps while you take a walk, or maybe while sitting quietly at home by a favorite window with a cup of tea. Our topic today is Sabbath, the ancient Hebrew practice introduced in Genesis and amplified by God to Moses through the commandments given on Mount Sinai. In a 24-7 world, the idea of weekly Sabbath can seem quaint or outmoded, or even in the midst of so many crises and injustices, luxurious and irresponsible. Our hope today is that through music, poetry, scripture, and a brief reflection, we'll offer you a refreshed appreciation of Sabbath and its place in our common life as Christians. As one wise person once told me, don't just do something, sit there. We look forward to being with you again next week, and until then, you remain in our prayers. The Avowal by Denise Levertov As swimmers dare to lie face to the sky and water bears them, as hawks rest upon air and air sustains them, so would I learn to attain freefall and float into Creator Spirit's deep embrace, knowing no effort earns that all-surrounding grace. 
A reading from the book of Genesis. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work he had done in creation. In the name of God, amen. You know, I'll never forget a line from one of the first and very few church sermons I've ever heard on climate change. The preacher was riled up, as sometimes we should be, and he offered us a long litany of actions to take as God's people in caring for the earth. I remember mention of carbon footprints, of eating seasonally available and locally grown produce, of hybrid automobiles. Capping the list, though, was the image that lives vividly in my mind these 15 years on. It was the need to clean and recycle all of our food packaging. Even, he concluded, even our peanut butter jars. Now on this one, I have continued to do as I was then told. After all, my fears for our planet are genuine and deep. And I'm sure that yours are too. And scrubbing out an empty jar of Teddy Smooth Unsalted makes me feel at least as if I'm doing something about the ozone, about the rising temperature of our oceans, about the increasing extinction of animals we love. But what if nothing is also an important part of what we are being called into in our call to creation care? What about inaction for a change? Is this always about elbow grease? In the creation story, after all, God rested. God's self rested. On the seventh day, God gave it a rest. Here's what the text says. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that God had done. God rested on the seventh day from all the work that God had done. Sabbath, this day off, then threads consistently from the beginning through the story of God's people. It culminates in the fourth commandment given on Mount Sinai. Keep holy the Lord's day. 
Now, many of us were raised to think of Sabbath as a thou shalt not. That is, puritanical avoidance of things like dancing or movies or sports or any sort of amusement. The Sunday blue laws of my childhood meant that most stores were closed here in Massachusetts. Not that I was necessarily in the market for any of these, but here in the Commonwealth between 1648 and 1983, it was difficult or impossible to buy a banana or a pair of jeans or a bottle of gin on the Lord's Day. But focusing on retail restrictions may be to miss the point. Sabbath may not be about penitential and puritanical self-denial as much as it is about a kind of withdrawal. Think of Sabbath, maybe, as deliberately extricating ourselves from the systems that run us for most of the week, while also exhausting the earth. Sabbath is the invitation to disconnect and to disencumber. And God models this for us in the very beginning. God, like a good manager, models the behavior God seeks to call forth from us. Hear what Walter Brueggemann has to say in his short book, Sabbath as Resistance. The day of Sabbath, writes Brueggemann, the day of Sabbath does not merely mark the stoppage of work or celebrate the completion of creation, but enforces the value that the earth is a gift of divine creativity given to humankind in sacred trust. On the Sabbath, the practical benefits of technology are laid aside, and one tries to stand in the cycle of natural time without manipulation or interference. To the degree possible, Brueggemann concludes, to the degree possible, one must attempt to bring the qualities of inaction and rest into the heart and mind. Inaction. Rest. Exodus is certainly clear about the values Israel is leaving behind when they flee Egypt in the night. They have lived there, after all, enslaved within a culture of production and consumption, without Sabbath, managed by taskmasters, with Pharaoh himself at the top of the organizational chart. Just listen to what Pharaoh says himself in Exodus 4. You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves but you shall require of them the same quantity of bricks as they have made previously. Do not diminish it, for they are lazy. In other words, Pharaoh and this entire production system are asking more of the Israelites, even while giving them less. I love what Brueggemann concludes about this. Into this system, he writes, into this system of hopeless weariness erupts the god of the burning bush. Sabbath will now become one of the identifiers of God's people. It's part of what binds them together 
and makes them a them. Remember the Sabbath day, the Lord will say, and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day and consecrated it. Sabbath as an intentional weekly withdrawal from the world of transaction. Sabbath as a day for us to consecrate the earth. So the upshot is this. Just as God has stopped, we must stop. In this is the essence of God's care for us. This is also part of God's care for creation. To be made in the image of God is to be made in the image of one who can stop as needed. Recently, I've been learning about the Green Sabbath Project. It's a web-based education and advocacy movement, and it seeks to revive Sabbath as a sort of weekly Earth Day. Don't drive, the project advises us. Don't shop. Don't build. Get away from your keyboard. Instead, take a walk. Eat with friends. Play or read with your kids. Sing. Meditate. Celebrate. When Israeli cities shut down for the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur, observes the Green Sabbath Project, when Israeli cities shut down on that day, nitrogen oxide pollution in the air decreases for that day by between 70 and 99%. Sabbath cleans us up and it cares for the earth. You know, I'm beginning to think about COVID-19 and our collective experience in these past 20 months as a sort of enforced and involuntary Sabbath, a worldwide secular Sabbath that perhaps has something to show us about the possible life of the world to come. I don't think there's any such thing as a silver lining to COVID-19. But perhaps our experience is inviting us into asking a question. What have we been shown? And what does new life out of COVID death look like for us? Lawrence Wright is an author and journalist who lives in Austin, Texas. And in July of 2020, he recounted his experience of the pandemic year and I'd like to share it with you now. In Austin, observes Wright, in Austin, the city where I live, I also have treasured the absence of the usual traffic roar, the neighborhood streets given over to pedestrians and exhilarated children on bicycles. I've been inspired by photographs of Los Angeles looking eerily pristine and by newfound vistas of the Himalayas from Punjab hidden for decades by smog. 
Could these images have a galvanizing effect? Like the 1972 photograph of Earth taken from space by the crew of Apollo 17, which helped bring the environmental movement to life? The atmosphere feels scrubbed clean. The stars are sharper and more visible. The relationship between humanity and the natural world is more balanced and harmonious. Such ecological restorations, of course, continues right, of course have come at the cost of collapsed economies and punctured dreams. Traffic will necessarily resume. Oil will be pumped and airlines will take off. But I wonder if the glorious experience of living with less pollution, however momentary, will linger in our consciousness as an achievable destiny and as a reminder that major transformations are possible. A reminder that transformations are possible. Wright's images of life during COVID are showing us something, I think, I think both about Sabbath and the life of the world to come. Now, you may not think that Sabbath is an option for you. Through smartphone technology, our work, after all, follows us, just like this very podcast now, wherever we go. And the vast majority of humankind must work to subsist and has precious little time to be still. So perhaps start small. Perhaps free yourself from all or nothing thinking. Just as with our diets, you needn't make an immediate and full-bodied leap into veganism in order to reduce the amount of meat that you're eating. The same goes for Sabbath. Try an hour or two each week. If not on Sundays, then on a day that better suits you. Mohandas Gandhi, for example, never spoke on Mondays. One parishioner here at Trinity Church uses Saturdays. She refrains from any screen-based technology on Saturdays. This approach to Sabbath brings to mind, to me, a bit from the Book of Common Prayer. I'm thinking of that part on page 857 in our catechism. The question is, what is adoration? And here comes the answer. Adoration is the lifting up of the heart and mind to God, asking nothing but to enjoy God's presence. Nothing but being in the presence of God. Here again, the words from Walter Brueggemann, who understood Sabbath as standing in the cycle of natural time without manipulation or interference to the degree possible he writes, one must attempt to bring the qualities of inaction and rest into the heart and mind. In other words, open yourself and see what sails in. One of the next things you hear will be a musical composition. It's called A Fair 
and delectable place. The text is by Dame Julian of Norwich, and it's been set to music by my colleague, Trinity Church Music Director Richard Webster. Here is Julian's text. She's speaking of Jesus when she writes, And there he showed a fair, delectable place, and large enough for all mankind that shall be saved to rest in peace and love. Christ is offering in this vision of hers a kind of insight into the abundance of divine love within his human heart. While he walked on the earth, Christ offered this same invitation to anyone who would listen. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Christ echoes the words of God to the fleeing Israelites. In other words, take a break, give it a rest, do nothing, travel nowhere, and arrive at that fair and delectable place without urgency, without agenda, without imperative, without accomplishment, without transaction and consumption. Don't just do something. Sit there. Oh, give it a rest. And in your rest shall be God's care for you and for all God has made.
The Peace of Wild Things by Wendell Berry When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. Let us pray. Author of creation, in wisdom you brought forth all that is to participate in your divine being and to change, adapt, and grow in freedom. You make holy the matter and energy of the universe that it may delight you and give you praise. We thank you for gathering all creation into your heart by the energy of your spirit and bringing it through death to resurrection glory through the one in whom all things have their being, Jesus Christ, your wisdom and your word. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today for this Trinity Church podcast. Parishioner Marianne Brown opened and closed us with the gift of music, specifically Edward Elgar's Salut d'Amour and Jay Unger's Ashokan Farewell. My colleague Bill Rich offered Denise Levertov's poem, The Avowal. Karen Coleman read to us from the book of Genesis, and Paige Ford Fisher shared Wendell Berry's poem, The Peace of Wild Things. A fair and delectable place with text by Julian of Norwich is an original composition by Trinity Church Music Director Richard Webster. It's available on Richard's CD, Awake, Arise, published by the Advent Press. It features Colin Lynch on organ and the choirs of Trinity Church. My name is Patrick Ward. Thank you again for being with us. Grace and peace to you today and always.